It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast show. This is your host, Adam Force. Today, we're going to be talking to Tony Hardy, and uh, he's the founder and CEO over at Canny Creative. And these guys are basically helping businesses uh, grow with good branding, web design, digital marketing, things we all need for our brands. You know, those first impressions are important. The user experience, the look, the feel, it all has to make sense. Um, and it helps with your traction, right? So the way people see you um, and interact with your brand. But before we dive into Tony's expertise in that space, um, just a quick reminder this month, guys, Happy New Year, by the way. It's 2018. Um, Hope you guys all had a safe and relaxing uh, holiday break. We do have a special edition of the magazine coming out this month with an exclusive interview that we had with Nobel Peace Prize winner uh, Mohammed Yunus, Dr. Mohammed Yunus, I should say. Um, really, really inspiring uh, person. Uh, the work he's done with Grameen Bank, among many other startups that he has created uh, on his mission towards eradicating poverty, that big vision he has. Um, we got to hear him speak in San Francisco, made the connection there, and um, the rest is history. So we are excited to present this interview and cover story. Um, so keep an eye out for that upcoming edition. Another update that's very, very exciting is we plan to include audio for our feature articles. So if you are on the move and you can't sit and just read the magazine, you will be able to listen to the feature articles on the go. Uh, So some exciting stuff there and much more to come. Um, Let's jump into this conversation and get the ball rolling. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Tony, thanks for joining the show, man. How you doing? Not too bad, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Um, So I'm a big fan of branding um, and design, and that's why I'm excited to chat with you today. So this is what you guys do over it. We are big fans of branding too. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Over the the pond. Exactly. So why don't you give us a little background? Um, What were you doing before Canny, and how did you get to Canny? I, before Canny, I was doing nothing. I was bumming about the place. Um, I'd finished university or college. Um, I'd come out and basically I was kind of just having a, a mental breakdown moment. Like I didn't really know what I was going to do. We just, I'd just finished four years, five years of education. So I was kind of happy to take it nice and slow. Yeah. But um, then family life and found out my girlfriend was expecting our son Mm. and yeah decided to put myself to use and build up a business which is now kind of creative which is really great like really good yeah things going well over here okay yeah that's it that's the story really you never really the thing is that that sounds really detrimental and i'm putting a downer on things (laughs) i never really wanted to work for anyone else 
Um, I'd done it once in my life. It worked at a supermarket. I hated every second of it. Um, so, yeah, the decision to work for myself was born of two things. Like, I hated working elsewhere, and I kind of needed to get some money in. And design's what I trained in, and design is what I, I could do to make money. Yeah, yeah, so using skill sets you already had. This is it. And yeah, yeah that worked out really nicely. Uh, it turns out I was quite good at design and people wanted to pay us to do it. So um, building a business was, yeah, this second nature. It just kind of happened, really. Right, right. But how did you um, actually start? I mean, when you look down the barrel of starting um, a, design, a branding and design company, you know, I think I, yeah. I, 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 I have spoken to some entrepreneurs um, who, who are not entrepreneurs, the people who are pre-entrepreneur, right? They want to do something different, just like you were when you were trying to figure things out, right? And they're like, well, yeah. I hear all these entrepreneurial stories, but that's, I don't have, I, don't, I can't become an entrepreneur. That's, you know, they feel like it's so out of their wheelhouse. And it is, when you look down the barrel of starting a business, it can be overwhelming because it's so out of your what you've done with your experience. So, how did you start yeah. um, thinking about the business and actually bringing it to life? Like, what steps did you have to take to to get started? It's like really, really strange. Like, I had an opportunity laid on to me by a family member who was starting a business. So we based and with that project, we kind of got free reign to create the brand, create the website. And because of that project, we won another project and things kind of, it all pieced together really organically. And it still does with Canny. Like this, it sounds really stupid and like a really bad business thing to say, but everything with Canny sort of just slotted into place at the exact right time. Like nothing's happened because of results of any big marketing strategy. And I think I kind of think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs maybe fall down is like they choose to start a business in something just for money. And yeah, everyone needs money. But we we I did it out of necessity when we started to make money. It had to happen or we had had no food. Um, but but I didn't trade on something that I wasn't good at. Like I didn't decide to start selling car parts to make money because I know nothing about car parts. I <laughs> I sold on something and it's something I knew really well. And I, I do actually think like that's where a lot of entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs they like get things wrong. They think, oh, I'll just start this to make a quick book. And that that's not really the best way of doing it, I don't think. No, I agree. Um, and when I like that you said, you know, you kind of want to work with the skills you have and, and lean on what you, you already know. You know, you hear guys like Warren Buffett, even in the investing world, he's like, I never invest in something that I don't understand, right? So if you're going to invest yeah. in your future by creating this business, why would you invest in pursuing something that you don't understand? You're just going to create this really long and painful road of, you know, probably, you know, trying to become an expert in a field that's going to take you another 10 years. <laughs> Exactly. And and I think as well, like by doing that, the passion kind of runs out. Like for all I start, I had to start Canny because I needed to do it. The My passion for design is still, it's what got us through five, six years of college. It's what got us through tough times. Like I, wa I wanted to be a designer and I love design. So having that 
backing you is like that's great like i don't imagine a situation where people like loving what you do can give you the motivation to get through everything right yeah that makes and sense i just don't imagine i i wouldn't want to start a business or an entrepreneur's journey when i wasn't passionate about what i was doing but you see that a lot don't you yeah oh yeah yeah, I think there's a lot of people that get misguided and then they really do embrace a, a difficult road or they just find out that they're going to get burnt out in a few years because they're not too passionate. You know, there's there's some that argue and they say, trust me, um, if you're selling pet food and that's not your passion, but you're making, you start making a million dollars at it, it'll become your passion real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could see, I could see how that would happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't mean, see all that. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I want to, oh, yeah, this pet industry. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the sort of person you are, that though, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. Um, I always thought about that. So, you know, somebody I was, I was listening to speak where they said you have gifts and you have passions, right? So just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean that you're gifted in that area. And just because you're gifted at doing something doesn't mean that that's what you're passionate about. So you really got to find this is it. where your gift and your passion actually connect. Like, where do you find that? Yeah, like, like I am massively passionate about professional wrestling. I love it but I definitely wouldn't be a very good wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> but like with design, I'm massively passionate about design and I am actually gifted at design, which is great. That works so nicely for me. What I've struggled with though is like, because I, I only wanted to be a designer, but then as a byproduct, I've become a business person and entrepreneur. Like I've had to kind of adapt to that. Yeah. And that's a real struggle. Right, right. Like that is a real struggle. Like design, arty types, creative types, and business types are like pretty opposing sides of the spectrum. Yeah. So becoming one from the other has been a real difficult challenge. I'm sure. I'm sure. So with Canny, you um, you got this. You know, you got your website up, all this stuff. And how did you get your first client? Yeah. What was your first dollars in the door well, story? The first dollars in the door story was the thing with a family member. Like we had that opportunity. They paid us to make a sweet website. So like confectionery and candy, they were selling it online. So we got paid to make that. And then, you know, I don't know if you grew up doing this, like, or whether that's just me as a, a weird designer type, but there's like, when the internet was exploding, there was forums for everything. Like everyone was on a forum for whatever they were interested in. Yes. Um, and I was on this thing called the design forums. And a guy on there was like, I need a designer to make us like a set of stationery for my consultant business. So I just reached out to that guy and I was like, yeah, we can do that. And um, so we did that. We got, got a bit of work. Um, and then he referred a friend. And then they referred a friend and then snowball. That's awesome. That's good. That, that, that's it. And like before I was saying, the old, we've never done anything as like a direct play on a marketing strategy, but that's, it's kind of a lie. We've been writing a blog post nigh on every week since we started. Yeah. So like that, that's contributed a lot to the success. So like co content that that's been 
the only calculated strategy decision we've made is to post a blog every week so and that helped get feet one a week that for now like that's an attainable amount for us yeah 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 it gets um it's a lot uh c- content production yeah. is a big strain for sure yeah but the thing is the rewards are really great with it as well yeah yeah absolutely i mean if you're doing it right and you got the right um you know I guess approach and stuff, you can get the right audience. That's the key, right? Getting the right content to attract the right audience and all that kind of stuff. 100%. Knowing your audience is key for pretty much everything. Right. What was the name of the uh, company, the candy one that you talked about? Is that on your website here? (laughs) They were called. No, no, that's long gone. Um, (laughs) The company didn't actually work out. They were called Tasty Treats. Um, (laughs) It was a a rubbish company name, but um, (laughs) they they didn't work out. Family Dynamics made them self-employed. Gotcha. Um, So that that didn't really work. But from there, other projects are still... I think the earliest work in our portfolio these days is maybe like two two years ago. We've got nothing back there in that, I don't think. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so let's talk a little more specifically about branding. Um, I, I'm all, yeah. you know, as I mentioned, I'm a big fan of branding, and um, I have certain philosophies and things like that. So I'd be curious to understand, you know, some of your thought process when you think about branding. Um, so many people do tend to look at it and be like, well, we got to know the psychology of colors and you know all these different things, yeah. you know. And I'm like, eh. And I always would think to myself, like, well, I actually, while there's maybe some truth to those things, I think the most important thing, and this is, and I'd like to hear your opinion, is to make sure that the branding style makes sense for the personality of the brand. So, like, if you're Harley Davidson, yeah, it's not, if you think Harley Davidson, yeah. it's for bikers and this and that, you don't, if someone lands on the website and it's like all pink with flowers, there it's a total disconnect. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's an expectation <laughs> for the colors, right? So sure. it has to make sense. I think if you think about it that way, it will reflect. Um, so that that's a very simple thought process that I usually have to say, just make sure that it, if someone lands there, it's going to be logical. It's going to make sense to them. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've got like two or three, well, two real key sets of like design philosophies at Canny. Okay. One is outstanding design every time. Like we want all of our work to be as good, if not better than our last piece of work, because we see, we see a lot of design agencies and design companies just shipping rubbish, like just to make a quick book. And again, that's that's never been what we've been about. So everything we put out the door has to be outstanding or better than outstanding. So that's one. But then the second one plays in exactly what you're talking about, Holly Davison. Like our second philosophy is what works works for them. And that what we mean by that is like <laughs> a lot of people misunderstand design. They think they, they come to us and they get a brand identity made and they think the purpose of that brand identity is to make them personally happy. <laughs> and that that's not it. We we sell design to our clients' clients. Like our job isn't to make our clients a brand identity or a website that they love. It's to make 
our clients clients a brand that they can buy into yeah yeah, like, and that's a real common, common like thing. Like, oh, I don't like the color purple. Well, it doesn't really matter if you don't like the color purple. If your customers want to buy into you using purple, then we're going to be using purple. <laughs> exactly. And that, that's such a no. This such a rudimentary example, but that that's what it's all about. It's not what works for you as our client. It's what works for your clients' clients. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and I actually like that perspective. It is hard for people to let go of their personal opinions about something. And, you know, they are not their audience necessarily. So they have to remember that yeah. you're talking to a wide range of people and who your audience is. So, you know, for for change creator, there is a reflection of, you know, myself and, you know, I might fit into the audience bracket, but if I'm the founder of Bustle, like yeah. Brian Goldberg, he has a major media platform geared towards women. So that's probably not a reflection, right. you know, he's not the audience, you know? So yeah. you, you just got to be aware yeah. of that. And then I bet he wasn't sitting dictating to his design agency. Well, I don't like that. I bet he had representatives that were from that demographic working with a design agency. Exactly. That's so that exactly would make what a he did. More sense. Yeah, no, he that's exactly what he did. He actually everybody he hired for his team um, was all millennial women because that's who their audience was. And that that makes the most amount of sense. Like yeah. you can't Oh yeah, this it's such a frustrating debate and loads loads of our clients still struggle to get their heads around it. What? It's really interesting. Really? Like, we I find get, it to be a very get, simple concept. It is. It's a super simple concept. But we get these people that are like, let's move the logo 10 pixels left and add a border. And you say to them, right, why are we doing that? And they they just, their answer is, well, because well, I like it better like that. And that's really not the not the way to approach design projects at all. No. I like it better like that. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> You'd be like, well, it doesn't matter what you like. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, like I would, I would love someone to try and prove that a logo being moved 10 pixels left on a website actually made them more money. Like yeah. that would be such a great case study. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I get, listen, yeah, I'm the kind of person though, for sure, where I've been down these rabbit holes where like, if I have control over the website, I will adjust things. Like I, I'm like one of these people that will have like an OCD almost where like I was sitting there with my yeah. wife the other night and we had our feet up on the coffee table and there was um, like a book on the table and it was just crooked and I moved it so the edge of the book was parallel with the edge of the table. <laughs> 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 and I was like, you know, I just noticed, I caught myself. I'm like, you ever do that? She's like, no. She's like, do what? And I was like, I just couldn't stand yeah. the fact that that was out of like sync with the edge of the table. <laughs> so I freak out, man. I make people, sure every pixel is in the right place. <laughs> yeah, people like you shouldn't be allowed to access backends of websites. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! If you look at my uh, my edits uh, to a page, it's like five hundred edits. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I've seen that happen. Like. We hand websites off to clients and then like a week later we go in and just check how, how things are running. And then it's like 75 revisions in the last three days. 
It's like, what have you been doing to this website? <laughs> like, it was really fine like when we much. gave you it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, nothing. I was trying to the logo left by 10 pixels. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so let's dive into your process a little more. Um, first, for starters, for people who are listening, you know, we're talking to a startup world. Do you work with the startups much these days? Um, who's your primary um, client, and um, how does I want to I want to know who the client is today and your process when you're getting started with them? Okay, so we we do work with startups. We only work, and th- this isn't just startups; it's across the board. We only work with companies with vision, like. There's nothing worse than the companies that, oh, we just want this and then we're done, see you later. That's not Kanye's process at all. We like to work with companies with, uh, we are here, we want to be here, and this is how we're going to get there. And that that just works for us. Like Longer-term partnerships is what it's all about. We're not about making quick money. We're not about working with only this type of person, like, and that's really hard because everyone says, oh, yeah, you have to niche down and niche down and find a market. And I, I understand that. But for us, it's all about that vision and what people want to achieve. Yeah, yeah. Um, so- yeah, like, like you could be a startup or a small medium enterprise and that could still be the same situation. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Okay, so you got a startup, they got a big vision. Um, they're looking for some yeah. support. Let's walk through your process. Cause like you mentioned, you know, as people do this today, they can't always, you know, especially startups, you can't always afford a heavy $5,000 a month retainer to have someone make every little tweak to the website. So are you setting people up nah. uh, so that they have like you, you do large function and engineering and they have, they have control over, you know, posting their articles or changing some text. That's yeah. pretty simple. So where does it land with people? And, and, and how do you, how do you work with them? So everything we set up, we set up with the intention of the client being able to manage just about every single little change or add in a news article or a blog post. That's all built out. We work on the WordPress platform like nearly everyone. Yeah. And we work on that platform because it doesn't, if the worst happens, say, say Canny Creative blows up tomorrow, someone drops a bomb on our office and everyone is incapacitated (laughs) the idea we 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 use wordpress is that people can take their website and go elsewhere they can look at our comments in the code they can see what's happened and they won't be without a system so we're all about we don't want to tie people in like there are companies out there one of our one of our main competitors in the newcastle area they invented their own version of WordPress and it's called something ridiculous. All their websites are built on that, mm. but they, to become one of their clients, you have to agree to pay in their license fee for that. And to me, that just seems like shady business practices. I mean, how does that sound to you? That doesn't sound right, does it? Right, exactly. Agreed. Um, so we build everything to be where as transparent and as fair as we possibly can be with every single client. Like we don't, we're not in the business to rip people off. Like for us, if we can help our clients' business grow 
and we do a good job, we hope that they'll take us along for the journey. So the more they grow, the more we grow, and that works perfectly fine for us. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so yeah. when you're getting started, what do you need from a client? What what should they expect as, a, I guess, a partnership from you? I mean, I, I'm curious to know a little more about the process. Like, if, if somebody is getting started, is there? Um, do you have to have certain assets in mind? Are you looking for? Should they have a certain? I guess. Um, I guess the definitions of like their brand and their company, maybe a business plan. Like what do you look for um, in order to be able to do your job right? So to do that, we, we try and sit down with as many clients as we can. So we get them to come up to our offices in Newcastle or in more extreme examples, we'll fly out to Canada or Japan to meet with the client. Right. And, and then we try and hopefully a half day to a day's discovery session about the business, the goals, their audience. We're note-taking, we're recording, we've got everything kind of filtered down. And then what's really the, the most beneficial thing people can send us is like a, a business plan and what they plan to do to make things work because then we can read that over in our own time, combine it with the discovery session. And we're getting, by that point, you're getting a real understanding of what people are trying to do. Right. Right. So all of our client, like all of our client journeys start off like that. A good kind of hour to two hour session in the morning, same again in the afternoon, business plan in hand. You've basically, you've got the fundamentals of a business down once you've spent that much time talking to them and reading about them. Right. And from there you can start the process. Awesome. Okay. Um, I guess it, I, I, I'm, one of the other things just regarding that kind of process, have you, has it evolved for you since you started based on your experiences working with a client or has it been pretty? Yeah. Yeah, it has. Okay. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Ma- massive. Like, so what, from starting canny, it's definitely evolved. Um, in the first instance, we were, if we had a brand and project back then <laughs> to us, we were like, oh yeah, we've got this logo design project. It wasn't a branding project. It was a, a creation of a logo. It was nothing more than that. Yeah. And we would just run off, make 10, 20 versions, 30 versions of a logo, send them to the client and tell them to pick one. <laughs> um, pretty flawed strategy. We wouldn't do any research. We wouldn't do any like visual discovery with them. Now, um, projects, obviously things have developed a lot. Projects are much bigger. Budgets are better. The process is more involved. So now we solely do big branding projects and website redesign projects. And now you come to us, we do the discovery like we talked about just before. You, we go through what's called visual discovery. So we actually use Pinterest to pin all sorts of research up there. We share that with the client, they pin. We come together and we talk about visual styles and how things worked and where their customer sits in relation to that. Then the next thing we do in the brand identity process is we'll run off and we'll still we'll still create like the initial 10, 20, 30 concepts. Yeah. And but then we'll try and distill that down like pretty pretty neat. It's always good to get about eight to twelve concepts distilled down. Right. Then we'll send the client a PDF, which we've now started calling branding rounds. 
So the round will come through on Friday afternoon. They'll have the weekend and the Monday to discuss it. Maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, pick back up with the client. And we'll say, okay, like, what did you think of the content there? Right. Naturally, it opens up to discussion. Oh, we, we hated one through seven, but eight and nine, yeah, we're kind of there. Right. 10 and 11, we really like the color, and 12, we love the font. So the next thing we do is run off with that feedback and act on, basically just act on the feedback and then send another round through. And it's kind of just a long distillation process of how right. you start with so many wide ideas. And by the end, and this is this is one of the things, like we don't offer like 10 revisions for a thousand pound and things like that, because we, we kind of don't need to with the way the process works. It's nice and organic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's it. And then like, we find it only takes four to five, maybe, maybe three to five rounds. And out at the end, you've got a really nice visual identity. Nice. That's awesome. And yeah. um, a big thing that comes up a lot is, you know, you want to have uh, a, a brand that people that builds trust with people. Yeah. Is there are certain characteristics um, if you're trying to create a trust, like when you're trying to build trust with an audience, um, yeah. I, I just think that's what good design does, right? So if the design is good, it means that it's it's aligned to the audience you're going after, but also it looks nice, meaning you look professional. So that builds yeah. trust. Do you, do you have any other thoughts on building trust through branding? We, oh yeah, everything like, tiny little things that lots of people wouldn't even think about so like who's a great there's a paper in england called the guardian and their logo is a it's a lovely serif font and they change it they change the word guardian in color depending on whether you're in the music or sports or general news and and what i find what really irks me and throws me makes me cautious with brands is so say you're scrolling through facebook or twitter and you see that tiny little social avatar you know the really small one yep and then you see their logo just like it's either crammed right in or they've stretched it or it's cropped wrong that always makes me think ooh, there's something wrong there and then but the back to the guardian what what they've done is like They've got the word the Guardian, they use it everywhere. But obviously for their social icons, they've just taken the G of Guardian and they've used that as an avatar. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like a stupid like little criticism, but just having that nice clean G just makes us think, ah, oh, they've actually like thought about and considered that. Yeah. Like and I, I find a lot of small business and startups like really harm themselves by like just defacing that social stuff. Like I was looking this morning for someone that works in social networking and their logo and the wording of their logo was like half cut off the avatar. (laughs) And it just, it genuinely just looks a bit untrustworthy. And I don't know if that's just me from a design background, but like you look and you just kind of think, oh, there's something not quite right there. That's amateur. Yeah, that's amateur. Like, and if that's what, if that's how that's gone, 
is the service going to be amateur? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it, one thing I've learned over the years, whether it's in corporate or on my own with these businesses, is you know everything you do is a reflection of your branding. So yeah, the the verbal voice that you share, the way you handle social media, like even when you pick up the phone for a client and whoever's yeah. talking to them, that's all brand uh, branding and reflects who everything. you are. Everything. Everything and oh god, something else like emails. People that send emails with like different color font. You know, you've got a standard look of an email. It's a darker font, and it, if you're on an Apple, everyone's emails look the same. Right. But like people that like change up the font and the formatting of an email. And yeah, again, that sounds re- like a really stupid criticism, but I get a lot of spam. And the spam I get is always navy blue font or red or bold or size 24. So naturally, I associate that sort of bad looking email with bad companies. Right. So when I get a serious company emailing us, but all of their, they've unstandardized the email, it just makes us look and think like, what have you done that for? That just <laughs> doesn't work. Like, uh, yeah, there's... For me, trust in branding comes in those little nuances. Like, cause it's quite easy to get like a nice professional looking brand and logo and website, but it's them little communications and touch points that make all the difference. Yeah, it's true. And today, if I see someone that doesn't have a decent website, I unless they're really just big in the space for some reason. Otherwise, yeah. I don't trust them. Or you know, there's just no excuse today with today's technology. That, no, I not. mean, it's like you anybody can get a good website. Like, there's no excuse to not have it. Or I've noticed some websites still like they're not responsive. Like, yeah, it's crazy. No. What I, what really confuses me is like you know big big companies like um who who was I looking up the other day. Oh, the company Airbus that make aeroplanes. And there was a few other companies in that space. I was like, I'm going to look at the aeroplane market. I don't, I don't know why I was get, getting, I think I was getting hyped up for my, my travels. And I thought, I'll have a look through their websites because surely the imagery of like aeroplane manufacture and things like that, surely they would make for a beautiful website. And I went on and I've, I've never been so disappointed <laughs> and I just, I just don't understand it though. Like your company literally are selling Boeing 747s. Well, how can you <laughs> not have invested in, in the platform that allows you to do that? I, I just, it screws my mind. Yeah, it's, that is mind blowing for sure. Ay, ay, ay. Well, listen, I want to be respectful of your time and we are coming to a close. So let's make sure people know how to reach you, how to get your services. Guys out there, Tony is super cool. We've been talking to him for a while and uh, he gets things done. So if you're looking for some good design and development, uh, these guys handle it all from logo to brand identity um, and many other things you can check them out for. Um, it is at www.canny, C-A-N-N-Y hyphen creative.com, cannycreative.com. That'll be on our website as well when we post the podcast. Tony, um, any final words, shout outs, or anything you just want to say to close things out? Um, yeah, if you're in the States, if you're in Canada next year, we'll be over in October. It would be good to meet some of you in person. 
give us a follow on Facebook and Twitter and find out what's going on. All right, man. Appreciate it. We will uh, be in touch. Brilliant. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast.